Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, we're back after a week off and we've got plenty to talk about. There's been some new polling over the weekend and today from Servation and ICM, which looks at the state of the parties, whether Jeremy Corbyn is ready to be Prime Minister, and also um, reactions to Brexit and how that's all going. So plenty to talk about and joining me today to talk about it all is uh, Habib Butts and Leo Barassi. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. So... um, Hard to know where to start on this one, guys. But I mean, let's start with the um, the voting intention polling that's been out recently. Um, it seems to be something of a of a mixed bag. So if we look at the numbers today um, from ICM, now they've come back into the game with a new methodology, as we might expect. Um, certainly different from the one that was perhaps not very successful at the election. They have Labour on 43, the Conservatives on 41, Liberal Democrats on seven, UKIP three, Greens three. So a Labour lead of two. And this is part of what we see as a mixed bag at the moment. Servation had the Conservatives a point ahead at the weekend. Um, Opinion had Labour six points ahead. And recently we've had panel base with Labour five points ahead. So if we're looking at a range of scores, Labour in that 40 to 46 bracket, Conservatives 39 um, to 41. But before we get into some of the detail of that, um, Leo, I'll start with you. I mean, what do you make of some of these numbers? I mean, I guess... First and foremost, voting intention polls immediately after an election maybe don't mean so much, but it does give us some indication as to where the public is, doesn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't dismiss them completely out of hand because they're doing something interesting. Uh, if you compare back with 2015, um, the the polls straight after the election kind of carried on showing the election result for a while. Um, and I think what the fact that, OK, there's there's a bit of a spread and it's not completely clear that Labour now have a lead. But generally, most of the polls are, are suggesting that, that they are a bit ahead. Um, and I think what what we're getting from that is Labour have kind of won won the piece. They might have lost the war, but the kind of post post election narrative has has sort of settled. Of Labour are now in the ascendant and the, the Tories are struggling. Um and that that I think is sort of has become a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy in public opinion, um, and that's that's not an irrelevance. You know, if if that sticks and the Tories are sort of increasingly seen as a bit hapless and they start feeling a bit desperate, then that that continues to sort of to uh, reinforce itself. So um, yeah, I think it's it's okay. There's not going to be an election for a while, I would think, but it's it certainly is relevant for what plays out in the real world. What do you think, Habib? Because, I mean, a lot of the talk immediately after the election was that Theresa May's finished, um, she's going to be on the way out, perhaps, you know, she wouldn't last a week after the election. Now, of course, she seems to be lasting a fair bit longer than that because the Tories, A, don't really want a general election for reasons Leo's kind of alluded to, and B, they're not sure who the replacement might be. So, I mean, how do you think some of these poll numbers will reflect um, how, how Conservatives are thinking? I think... The Conservatives will be relieved with these polling figures, given how badly the mood music after the election has been. Um, You've got cabinet ministers openly questioning government policy, austerity, the whole Brexit approach. Corbyn's policies have been enacted to a lesser extent uh, with, you know, things like the pay, pay cap being discussed now on public sector workers. To be with one poll just one point ahead and not that far behind in the other polls, there's probably relief that it's not as been as bad as it should be. This is this is almost reminiscent of back of in the mid 90s when John Major's government was 
falling apart. So I think there'll be re- there'll be relief in the Tory circles. It's not that bad. The, the one figure that I took that that really stuck out for me was the Savation polling that showed that Theresa May was still preferred as the best prime minister. While whilst the gap gap has narrowed, that figure probably means the Tories are probably just about ahead in the polls, given historical precedents. You know, if you lead on the economy and leadership, you should be ahead in voting intention as well well let's let's explore some of that because there's two very different pictures that can be painted by some of these um approval ratings so today's approval rating um showed very uh, very strong ratings for jeremy corbyn so when asked whether jeremy corbyn was doing a good job or a bad job 44 percent said good job 35 percent said bad job that's a plus nine rating um theresa may on the other hand almost uh mirror image of where she was six months ago 28 percent good job 54 percent bad job that's a minus 26 rating however the picture gets slightly confused because when you look at um who would make the best prime minister as you've kind of alluded to um theresa may doesn't always lead um, there was a yougov poll that has uh, jeremy corbyn ahead but on the recent salvation over the weekend she's on 44 versus jeremy corbyn on 38 and that's like a forced choice you have to choose between the two now two ways of looking at this on the one hand, this was uh, Jeremy Corbyn's highest rating ever on that on that measure uh, with Servation. Um, but on the other hand, Leo, he's uh, six points behind uh, Theresa May. Now, you don't have to be ahead to win an election. He's, ca- he's catching up, but he's still behind her, isn't he? So it's an interesting dynamic. But I guess the direction of travel seems only one way. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I think I would... Um echo echo habib's point that i think for for the tories to be doing reason um, only only moderately badly with corbyn so far ahead uh in being seen to do such a good job and theresa may being so so far um below below the surface uh, minus 26 net in terms of being being seen to do a bad job um in a way you could look at that and think well the, Tor- the tories must have something else that's pulling them pulling them up if their leader is seen to be uh, struggling so badly but the polls are so close uh, that said i do think that there is uh, sort of within within that quite a fundamental risk for the tories which is that this might be where they are at the moment but the brand damage and the sort of the wider sentiment that can be uh, that that can change about uh, public views of the party could be so risky for them if they are seen as essentially bad at governing and it's all well and good to them sort of thinking well we've got Theresa May and she's kind of a bad bank that we're gonna take and to mix metaphors float out to sea and sink in a bit (laughs) when uh, she's uh, got uh and, and she can sort of absorb absorb all the damage and uh sorry the third metaphor be the uh the, the sacrificial lamb for the party uh that's fine but you've got to be damn sure that none of the damage reflects on the party at that point so so far it kind of seems like it hasn't really that uh it's seen as a Theresa may problem and she's doing really badly and the party isn't doing that badly but I'm not sure that you can necessarily get away with that for that long. You might be able to, but at some point she starts seriously dragging down the party and it's damage they can't easily recover from. I mean, one of the numbers I'm looking at um, here is the also in the ICM poll is that 39% of respondents say they would trust uh, Theresa May and Philip Hammond most on the economy. Um, with Corbyn and McDonnell, it's 32%. So to be honest, from a statistical perspective, not really huge differences, but 
The Tories still ahead on the economy there, not as much as they were. Um, but Habib, that shows the real challenge for both parties, really, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, Labour still have that age-old barrier they've got to cross on being trusted with the public finances. But on the other hand, the Tories have got to negotiate Brexit with an increasingly unpopular leader and make sure that the economy doesn't suffer. Because if it does, then Labour will have that magic... Um, if, if it doesn't, if it fails to do that, then Labour will have that magic combination, potentially, of best PM, best economy and a poll lead, which, won't, which uh, um, would suggest a change in government next time. It does. I mean, governments lose elections. Oppositions don't win them. So it will be down to Brexit and the economy. I think the worst case scenario for the Tories is if it's a, a, re- a recession caused by Brexit, the whole narrative changes. What Labour were lucky with at the last in June were that nobody expected them to win. If going into the next election, it looks like they are going to win, there'll be a lot more focus on Labour's policies. Now, will they be able to survive that? I think they might be able to, but I'm not sure exactly how. So, sorry sorry to interrupt, but I guess, I mean, the, the thing that, if I, if I was looking at this and I was, uh, the Tories would really worry me about that, is, look, uh, um, in, in 2015, uh, Corbyn, sorry, Ed, Ed Miliband um, was ridiculed for for, uh, for saying that Labour hadn't spent too much. And um, he was constantly asked, did the last Labour government uh, overspend? Uh, he was mocked for forgetting the deficit in, in his leader's speech. Um, obviously, that just wasn't a, a factor in this election. I mean, I certainly don't think I ever saw Corbyn being asked, did, did the last Labour government spend too much? Um, and I think I mean, that must be down to a strategic decision the Tories made not to bother fighting Labour on the economy. Um, I don't really know why, but uh, the, they sort of, they they soft pedalled on the what had previously been the big battleground of we're gonna we're gonna uh, hammer on this Labour crash the car. Don't give them the keys back. Now, I mean whether whether or not that was a good decision. I mean I think uh, it almost certainly proved not to be. It's not a decision that you can you can easily row back from. Mm. I'm not convinced that it now would be possible for the Tories to suddenly resurrect that argument well, and to try and remind everyone that that uh, in in their eyes, lab, Labour crashed the economy. I mean, I'm sort of, uh, I'm just not sure that that argument that worked so well in 2015 is still available to them because you I've, kind of have to keep it going. I've got to say, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I think that Time time has moved on a bit. I mean, I think that you could still see the Conservatives running an election campaign on you can't afford, you know, you can't afford to have Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister or something like that. But I just feel, I don't know, I, I have this hunch that Jeremy Corbyn could throw back at that message, well, you can't afford five more years of austerity for X, Y and Z reason. I don't know, there feels like there's something of a mood change. And if I was the Tories, the bit that would worry me the most is this maybe quite confused metaphor I've mentioned before, which is this idea of the Second World War where, you know, okay, look, <laughs> again, not comparing Theresa May to Churchill, not comparing uh, Corbyn to Attlee and, all, and the situation is very, very different. But the reason I use the comparison... That you are comparing uh, Juncker to uh, to Hitler? No, 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 no. This is where the metaphor falls down. <laughs> but um, okay. no, but like wh- wh- where I think that... Wh- the reason that that strikes me is that we had the Second World War, Churchill was a sort of war hero, and yet Labour won an election on who wins the peace. You know, who, who, what should peace look like? 
And although Brexit obviously isn't a war, it's you know it's, it's uh, coming out of a trades and political uh, alliance. Um, I still can see there being a Labour message saying, right, we've done Brexit now. What sort of country do you want to live in? And I can see that being quite, quite strong. And, and basically, Labour goes to the country and says, right, out of the ashes of Brexit, if that's the right phrase, you know, this is what we're going to do to make a fairer country and so on. I think that finality almost, if there is finality of Brexit, gives Labour a real opportunity to, to have a new message. Um, I suppose when that election comes, but, but this is um, isn't, and isn't that exactly what the Tories are trying to address at the moment? That is, I mean, isn't this exactly what all the posturing around um, the the public sector pay cap and investment in in public services uh, that is increasingly bubbling up in the in the Tory party and and top uh, top ranks is exactly about, isn't it? That they they realise now that the next election is not going to be fought on economic prudence and the debt and the deficit. It's going to be fought on people's everyday experiences of public services. And if they don't have that message, they're toast. But I just don't see how they can win an argument of Labour on that message. But Habib, I'll bring you in here. I think the next election will be fought on taking control back of the economy, to to use Vote Lee's message. Uh, one of the reasons the Tories didn't fight on the economy in June was simply because Mrs May wanted to sack Philip Hammond, so that's why he was locked in a cupboard for six weeks. That might be her biggest mistake, not focusing on the economy this time. Can't go back to it in, two th- in 2022 when we've got the next election on. The narrative has changed on the economy. Mm. I think we're. All, I think the country is sick of the word austerity. Um, they all want. They all want money. If money's been, if one billion pounds is being spent in Northern Ireland, they want a billion pounds spent on them in England and Wales and Scotland as well. Which, yeah, and that makes sense. That brings me actually to another another finding in the Salvation poll, just to reference. Um, uh, Salvation put a reasonably. Uh, so, do you agree or disagree with the Conservative Party entering into a confidence and supply arrangement with the DUP, where the DUP's MPs will support the Conservative government on key votes in the House of Commons? Um, 57% disagree that they that they um that they support that. So, you know, there there is some cynicism out there around that deal. One of the other things, just to pivot slightly, that I noticed in some of this salvation polling, is maybe some softening towards Brexit a bit. Um, when when asked whether people were confident, um, that that there would be a good deal uh, delivered, a good Brexit deal, 49% said they were not confident, 38% said they were. Uh, and also, actually, when asked the the referendum horse race question, so would you vote remain or leave? Um, it, we had fifty four percent saying remain. So I, I look at some of these numbers, and look, I guess maybe it's a moot point because we're not going to have another referendum, and there doesn't seem to be much um, much demand for one. Perhaps more importantly, but there does seem to be a softening toward, towards Brexit or or concern around Brexit that the the public feel, doesn't there? I, mean, I think uh, I think the that poll is probably a reflection of how badly the negotiations are going and how well the government aren't handling it. I think that's what the Brexit polling will show over the next eighteen months or so. There won't be it'll be more reflection on that rather than how people would vote in a in another referendum. So far, it's not yeah. looking good. Yeah, I guess I think I'll take issue a bit with with your uh, suggestion, Kieran, that um, there's there's not going to be another referendum. Therefore, the horse race number isn't that relevant, because I mean, I'm not saying that there is necessarily going to be another referendum. But I think if we start getting to the place where it starts being 60 percent remain consistently, 
then I think the narrative changes and um, the arguments that at the moment aren't really getting a hearing of this could, this can be stopped. I, th- I think that's still a bit of a fringe argument. I think if starts being a clear majority regretting it, then I think that would the the horse race numbers would be hugely important. Now, well, I'm not saying that this is that. I mean, it's just one poll. It's it's still quite a long way from sixty percent, but. I do think that polling potentially here, <laughs> ha ha. Here, here's a moment where polling is going to be back in the spotlight and changing the uh, the national conversation again, and we'll find out whether it's a methodological issue. But it, it's, I think, it does again have the potential to to shape the the future of the country. Mm. I mean, I should I should add, I, I was on on on, um, on record a couple of days after the election saying that you know there was a path to remain after all now, and I still stand by that. Um, you know, now that Labour have a credible chance of forming a government, Labour is a pro-European party. Um, so, you know, it's much more feasible than it once was. But I suppose still there's a lot of steps that need to take place. Um, and, and you do have to ask the question, would Jeremy Corbyn be the person that would um, lead Labour into a general election um, on, a, on a second referendum ticket? I, I'm, not, I'm not so convinced. But let's, um, let's move on. Uh, time moves on. Leo... We, we've been we've got another in our series of polling matters opinion surveys, haven't we? Where we've looked at um, how people voted at the last election and also what people think of Jeremy Corbyn's preparedness to be prime minister. I mean, do you want to take the listeners through some of that and, and what we found? Yeah, two the two questions that you mentioned um, both fairly interesting in different ways. So um, this first question, uh, so we asked voters of Labour and then voters who um, people who voted for the Tories. Um, did you vote for the Labour Party and or did you vote against the Conservative Party for Labour voters and then the other way around for Conservative voters? Now, I've got to say, going into this, in a way, it was sort of test, testing a theory that actually a lot of what was going on here were people, say, people who didn't especially love, say, Labour, but were really put off the Tories by citizens of nowhere and the social care policy and fox hunting and so on. Um, and then potentially the other way around for the Tories, that there are a lot of people who were really put off them because, uh, sorry, who voted for them because they were really put off Labour. Now, the results were actually pretty similar for both parties. So um, 73% of Labour voters said that they voted for the Labour Party and 22% of Labour voters said they voted against the Tory party. For the Tories, it was 69% of, of Conservative voters voted for the Tories and 23% voted against Labour. So in both cases, it's something around 70% voted for the party and somewhere around 22 23% voted against. Now, I've got to say that was a bit lower than I expected, um, but still, I mean, I haven't seen a similar question in previous elections, so I don't know wh- how that would compare. Um, but just in isolation, it sort of strikes me there that we've got about a quarter of each party's voters uh, could be knocked off or could be taken off that list if the other party is detoxified. So the obvious thing is how many of that 22 percent of Labour's voters voted Labour because of the Tory social care policy and because of fox hunting? If those two things had gone, how many of them would have gone? I don't know. Um, I mean, so we're seeing that three quarters were there just because you know they loved Labour's manifesto, they loved Corbyn or whatever. But a lot of them were pushed there by by opposition to the others, and you know it just sort of reminds you that it's it's not just uh, parties attracting voters; 
is also what uh, the others do. Mm. And we also had some questions around Jeremy, a question around Jeremy Corbyn, didn't we? Yeah. So um, an interesting one that's a bit different from the who would make the best prime minister questions that that um, are often asked, where you you're you're uh, put, uh, got Corbyn put head to head with Theresa May. This time it was just. Is Jeremy Corbyn ready to be prime minister? Is Jeremy Corbyn not ready to be prime minister? Thirty-seven um, percent say he's ready to be prime minister. Forty-eight percent say he's not. And I think it's it's useful to put that in context. That um, the Servation poll that we talked about before had thirty-eight percent who who chose Corbyn over May, which is almost exactly the same as said he's ready to be prime minister, but it had forty-four percent. Uh, who chose May, and we got 48% who said he's not ready to be Prime Minister. So not a massive difference, but it's a difference between a six-point gap and an 11-point gap. Um, And it strikes me there that the difference in that gap is Theresa May. Uh, Again, if I were the Tories and I was looking at that, I would think, well, actually, we've got 48% of people who just don't think that Corbyn is ready to be prime minister. If we can put up a better candidate than Theresa May, then we've got the scope to uh, gain a lot of voters who are just going to vote against Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, Habib, what do you think? I mean, it does seem to, from what Leo is saying that maybe the popularity of Jeremy Corbyn is a bit over overrated. Um, not that it isn't there, but it's just maybe the, the fact that he's... Um, the Glastonbury stuff is maybe over-egged a little, little bit. But then again, the, the age-old problem the Conservatives have is, who is this mystical character that's going to come in and and uh, take over? Well, um, that character is probably Ruth Davison, but she's not an MP, which shows <laughs> the mess the Tories are in, that they're probably the best person isn't an MP. But she doesn't want it, I, surely. She just wants to be I First know. Minister. I know. I th- she wants to make sure Scottish National... Scottish National is killed stone dead. So there we are. As I said, I think what Corbyn fans should really worry them is that Tories ran the worst campaign they've ever run. And yet, the, and Theresa May had an appalling campaign personally, and yet the Tories still won most seats and most votes. That's probably um, reflected in the polling that a forced choice, the Tories would probably still just be ahead. Mm. I still think there is a, there is a austerity fatigue that's dragging them down, though. I mean, if you look at mm. every election the Tories win, Labour can say with increasing confidence that you've had ten years, you've had fifteen years, you've had twenty years, or whatever it is, or, of austerity. You need you know need time for a change. I do wonder though, Leo. Actually, like, at what point does Corbyn's age become a factor in the election? I mean, or, or, in, or in a general election? I mean, I can't remember who it was. Someone made the point today. Um, that you know he'd be in his, I think it was uh, someone called Richard Hartless on Twitter said he'll be in his comfortably in his seventies by the time there's another election, assuming it's a five-year parliament. Do you think that would matter? Yeah, I think it, it potentially is an issue, but um, depends who he's up against, I suppose. There's a there's there's a um, there was a stat in the Ashcroft post-election poll that um, struck me as really counterintuitive and, and relative. Uh, relevant here, but I think hasn't had that much attention. That he asked um, late, well, he asked everyone, but most relevantly Labour and Tory voters, what were the top three reasons that they voted, that they chose the party that they did? Um, and in amongst them all, only one in three Labour voters said that 
it was because they wanted the party's leader to be prime minister or the party's leader would be the best prime minister. And three in four Tory voters said the same. So despite all of this, despite all the, the sort of Corbyn mania, um, and and even if we thought the Corbyn mania was only restricted to Labour voters, actually only one in three Labour voters put even in their top three reasons that Corbyn was the reason that they're voting for the party. Far more important for Labour voters were the policies, uh, were, the, was the, were the manifestos. Um, so it sort of, sort of seems to me that, uh, yeah, this is true, but um, it's not like the fact that Cor- Corbyn is, is going to be older is necessarily going to drag down the Labour vote because actually as an individual, as a person, he wasn't particularly pulling it up in the first place. It was much more what he enabled the Labour Party to do in terms of its policies that got got it to where it was in terms of its voters. So I'm not sure I would really look at that as as sort of adding a new problem for Labour. I mean, coming back to you, Habib, um, I saw there was a, uh, a survey on Con Home of Conservative activists about uh, net satisfaction ratings with with uh, cabinet ministers and others. Um, given that Leo and I used to have historic bets, of, I think it was about a million pounds, obviously a very serious bet. Um, we're, we're not Mitt Romney here. Um, the, the, the top of the tree in terms of net satisfaction amongst uh, conservative activists was David Davis. Um, Michael Gove second, Michael Fallon third. I mean, did you think David Davis is the front runner at this stage to take over from Theresa May? Um, no. I nope. don't think he is. Well, you I, can, you can, don't worry about that bet then, Leah. <laughs> I said today I actually, well, yesterday and today I backed Jeremy Hunt as next Tory leader at 100 oh. to 1. So, so why why not David Davis to be? That's, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Um, there's, there's a sufficient wing of the Tory party that doesn't like him. There's his age, if Corbyn's age is a problem, then so is David Davis's age. And I think David Davis will either be made or broken by Brexit deal. Therefore, I think all three of those are going to play against him over the next 18 months. So, Well, I, I tweeted to much derision the other day that I don't see why everyone, anyone is ruling out Andrea Leadsom. Um, 84 Conservative MPs wanted her to be Prime Minister um, about a year ago. Um, and we have no idea what the membership would have done. Probably at that time, it would have voted for Theresa May. Um, you know, I, I can't see any reason why to assume, unless she didn't run, maybe she doesn't run, she backs somebody else. But I can't see any reason why if she doesn't play her cards right uh, in a field that isn't exactly crowded, she couldn't sort of emerge as um, emerge as a, a credible candidate. Uh, not credible in my eyes, I should be honest. Uh, that won't be news to anybody, but certainly credible nonetheless. Um, what about Michael Gove, Habib? He, he seems to be quite popular with the grassroots. Is he still he toxic is. amongst MPs? Yes, I think he's annoyed the Cameroons and Boris Johnson fans, so that's not a good mix for well, him. We'll stick a fork in that one then. Um, we're, we're, we're vastly running out of time, so I want to finish on, as it's the 4th of July, um, with a bit more of a fun poll that we don't, we don't normally do on this um on this uh, on this podcast so this is one that nate silver tweeted yesterday about um how americans order their steak so um i, I, I i'll ask you both leo I mean, are you a vegetarian this week um, <laughs> depends what day it is <laughs> how would you order your steak though um well i think you could predict it probably kieran i have mine rare 
you have yours rare, proper man there. But only 2.5% of uh, Americans agree with you. Habib, do you eat steak? I do, yes. So what, where uh, would, would you be rare as well? Or what, what? No, I'm medium well. You're medium well. So you're... T- so th- these numbers I ask because I probably go for medium. I'd say if I'm honest, pretty boring. But um, so 11.7 percent of Americans get steak wrong and they have it well done. Um, medium well, 25 percent, 26 percent actually if you round it up. Medium, 38 percent. Medium rare, 23 percent. Rare, 3 percent. So there you go. Medium seems to be the uh, the consensus. But the um the, re- the reason I bring this up was because uh, Chris Curtis from YouGov saw my tweet and, and uh, shared some uh, YouGov numbers uh, with BuzzFeed. I think it was uh recently, um, which shows that Leave voters are more likely to have their stake well done. So I don't know what that says. Uh, about, I don't know what that says about Brexit, but um there we go. That's uh, that's something. So I mean, is it is that an age thing? It is an age thing. It's quite driven by age. So I, I I'm, I'm sure they're not. Yeah, it's not related to their opinions of the European Union, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's driven by age. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. Is it an age thing? Is it also the sort of, I don't know, is it is it these metropolitan elites like me who uh, who want to, to be continental and so want want their stake done bleu or something mm. uh, against against true Brits who uh, who want to have theirs well done? Yeah, fry, fry out that mad cow disease. Um Let's let's finish uh, anyway. Back back to more serious matters. Let's finish with a couple of minutes. Um, what what are we looking out for in the next couple of weeks? I mean, the Brexit negotiations gather gather pace. Um, Labour still, you know, talk up the idea of another election. But presumably, um, I'll, I'll come to you both individually before we close. But Habib, is it is it just a case of keeping things stable for the Tories now for the next few months? It is yes. Um, survive conference. And then that's it for Theresa May. If she can survive conference, she'll probably be there till 2019. What do you you think, Leah? Yeah, I think uh, that that sounds absolutely right. I'd be very surprised if May may go soon. But hey, I mean, what what have I predicted right recently? (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I think the question for Labour is, um, are they able to avoid um, having a division exposed between um, their... Um, pro-European uh, voter or voters and activists, and their pro-Brexit policies and leadership. Yeah, that's going to be something that rumbles on and on, and it, uh, it will be interesting to follow public opinion on that because I'm sure it will drive a lot of how Labour MPs react. But that is um, that's all we've got time for for this week's podcast. A big thanks to Leah Barassi and Habib Butt for joining me. Um, stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks, um, where we'll probably be looking at America again with our uh, friend JC Buer. Um, but if you do like what you hear, do give us a do share us on social media. Do give us a positive rating or comment on iTunes and other podcast apps. It does help get our name out there. Um, but for now, stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks. And thanks for listening.